you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leaving up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely Welcome to Buckets, the fantasy basketball podcast on the Action Network. I'm your host, Dan Titus, and joining me as always, my boy, co-host, and fantasy guru, Adam Koffler. I want to thank everyone for listening to our show and continuing to show support for all of the Action Network podcasts. And for today's episode, we have a special guest that we're really excited about. But before we get into that first, Adam, what's good with you, man? How you feeling? Fantastic, man. We've got an awesome guest on today. Can't wait to talk to some hoops this morning. Yeah, likewise. You know, and since we're only a month away from the start of the NBA season, we want to continue to give you guys all of the info you need to prepare for your upcoming drafts. And what better way to do that than to get some intel from trusted NBA sources. So let's not waste any more time. He previously was an editor at ESPN.com with prior stops at ESPN Los Angeles, Fox Sports, and Grantland. But now you can find him on the sidelines, in the locker room, and speaking about all things Lakers for the athletic I'm talking about none other than Jovan Buha. Jovan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I understand that you are also really into fantasy football as well as basketball in general, obviously, for covering the Lakers here. How did you wind up connecting with Adam on Twitter? That's a good question. I don't I, I don't remember how we connected, to, to be honest. So yeah. I don't know if Adam remembers. Yeah, uh, I was I was doing start sit the like, you know, weekend threads. And I would just, you know, I would sit there and answer like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 questions. And then all of a sudden, I know I'm at like 500 followers at that point. And this guy like follows me and I'm like, why is this guy following me? Like this guy has way too many followers to be following me and like wanting my advice. I'm like, Oh, this guy's kind of cool. He like writes for the Clippers. You know, I'll answer this guy. And uh, I feel like I just like DM'd him and we started talking about like different stuff with fantasy football start sits and I became like his go-to guy for the season. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I remember it. I, re- I read because yeah. cause I read you on fantasy pros and then oh, like, there you go. Okay, this, this guy uh, seems like he knows what he's talking about. And then I followed you on Twitter and yeah, that, that's how that all started. And fake it till you make it, you know, I don't really know <laughs> what I'm talking about. But. <laughs> I mean, but obviously you do, man, like uh, you're getting noticed obviously for the, the great fantasy advice that you do have. And it was really cool because Adam, you were able to parlay that into getting Jovan into a fantasy pros mock draft with us last year, which is really cool. And Jovan, I got to ask you, man, did you ever even set your lineup once? 
<laughs> I, I knew this was coming. Uh, yes, yes. Um, for for me, so I, I've been playing uh, fantasy basketball since 2007. So I have been playing for a while. Uh, the thing is, I got into it first playing Roto and then switching to a more fantasy football style head to head, but with categories. So doing points, that was the first time I've ever done points. And that I tried to study it. I tried to learn kind of the, the, the breakdown of the categories and how everything's kind of weighted. But I, I came away from the draft a little upset with my team and then had a couple uh, injuries early, a couple losses early. And it was just like the recipe for kind of giving up. Uh, It was not my best effort, but I would like a chance to redeem myself. And I think in, in year two, if I get invited again, I'll have a better effort. Dope, dope. Well, so I think that that's a call to action for us to set that up again. We got we got to get Jovan's redemption season here. Well, now you got two of the two of the best points league players on the team that you cover, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. Perfect. There you, go. there you go. If only this were a points league fantasy podcast, man, we'd be we'd be right on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so real quick, man, just wanted to get your take on the unique opportunity to cover the Phoenix Suns in the in the NBA finals. What was that like, man? And, and what was the most memorable experience you had from that? That, that was awesome. Uh, it, it was one of those things where obviously nobody expected the, the Lakers season to end that early. They were, they were the heavy favorites going into that series against the Suns. AD goes down game four. That flips the series. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I'd kind of been making my schedule and I was just like, okay, I'd at least blocked off into the conference semifinals, if not conference finals. And I'm like, I have all this free time now. Like, what am I going to do? And my editor calls me and she's like, Hey, like, do you want to cover the suns? And I was like, okay, make up some, uh, some airline miles and hotel points that I haven't gotten <laughs> over the past year and a half, uh, cause of COVID and, uh, cover this team. And, and, you know, I, I, I figured they'd probably beat Denver cause Denver was shorthanded. Uh, but looking at the conference finals, I was like, Clippers, Utah, I don't know, you know, maybe favored the other side of that, but they end up making this finals run and it, it was really fun. It was my first finals. Uh, and, and that had been a bucket list thing for me of, uh, you know, I want it to be an annual thing where I'm always covering the finals and uh, this ended up being that opportunity. So just being at my first finals w- itself was an experience. Uh, I think seeing Giannis take that leap from already, you know, two-time MVP to I think joining, you know, the top, 30 top 35 of all time and, and really, you know, stamping himself as a legacy guy. Uh, and I think also, I mean, I, I used to cover the Clippers and I covered uh, Chris Paul's entire tenure with the Clippers and kind of just seeing another heartbreak for Chris Paul and being there in the po- you know post game game six, he's like, you know, bleary eyed. You, you could tell he, he's heartbroken and you have like, we are the champions blaring through the wall. And I was just like, this is a crazy moment because he was so close and they started that series up two zero, and you kind of thought they were going to win at that point. Uh, and then it came crumbling down. So, uh, overall it was, it was a fun run flying out to Phoenix, flying out to Milwaukee, all that stuff. Uh, it, it was really cool. So this season you'll get to cover your own team, uh, in the Lakers in the finals, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. They're, they're my West favorites. I don't know if I'll have the best record in the West, but they're, they're my West favorites. I mean, they're, they're building their, their team to obviously make a deep playoff run mm-hmm. uh, and, and win the finals. There, there's no, this team is not building for the future. They're building for the now, right? In the next one to two years type deal. I, I would even say if you look at Rob Polinka's track record, it's, I mean, he's changed 
the entire rotation basically season to season. And that's where I get it. You know, I think if you can, if you want to criticize the age thing, I think there's a, there's a legitimate case of like, okay, are some of these guys going to have some regression Are some of these guys, maybe a, a little you know, you know more brittle or injury prone. There's maybe a case to be made for that, but the people like, Oh, you know, this team's window, this and that. I'm like, look at what Rob Polinka has done year to year. He's not afraid to go get, you know, an entire new supporting cast around LeBron, AD, and Russ. So I do view this as a one-year experiment with this group. Uh, and again, maybe a couple of the guys are, are brought back. But really, if you look at the Lakers rotation over the last, you know, three seasons, it has just been completely different season to season with the case, uh, you know, with the exceptions of a couple role players, Alex Caruso, KCP, but now those guys are gone. So, uh, you know, with the exception of LeBron AD and, and, and Taylor Horton Tucker, it's an entirely new team. So I don't think that's really an issue for Rob Polinka. That clearly is kind of how he views team building and it, it got them a title in 2020. We'll, we'll see what happens this season. Yeah, it's a great point. And so now let's just get into the, the fantasy conversation, talking to a basketball expert here of the Lakers from a fantasy perspective, though, you know, what do you think what do you think the impact of Russell Westbrook is going to be on LeBron and AD? And you talk about, you know, being that Palenka has made a concerted effort to put all of these people around LeBron. You know, there's going to be so much more depth in rotations now. How do you think that Russ is really going to fit in with that and, and how it's going to play into the production of those two players? To, to be quite honest, I, I don't know. And that's why this is such an interesting experiment. I mean, Russ just had the, the situation in Houston with James Harden, right? So you, you can kind of maybe glean some stuff from that. You also have LeBron and Wade back in the day in Miami. And I think Wade and Westbrook are different players, but there are some similarities in terms of neither one being a three-point shooter uh, right. and both of them kind of being more like ISO, I'm going to take you to the rim uh, type guy, you know, scores and, and playmakers. The issue, of course, is that Russell Westbrook is... Uh, statistically the the second worst three-point shooter of all time to attempt more than 2,000 attempts. So, you know, like he, the, the shooting isn't there. And I just don't, it's like, do you use him off ball as a cutter? Uh, because you can't really use him off ball as like a catch and shoot guy. But then, you know, do you put the ball in his hands? And then now you're taking the ball to LeBron's hands, which is never a winning recipe. And frankly, it's never happened. And I think we always have this thing where, when LeBron teams up with somebody, it's like LeBron's production is going to go down. Oh, it's going to, that, that's never the case. It's either the other person has to adjust and, and their production goes down or, or maybe they find a way to maintain it. But if you just look season by season, one of we had like the down LeBron year, his worst season is like 27, seven and seven. So uh, I do think looking at his trajectory, uh, I just wrote about this recently in one of my mailbags since 2016, 17, LeBron's minutes have been going down one to two minutes per season. So he started out at that, uh, I think it was around 37, 38 last season was at 33. So I would not be, I would not be surprised if he's down to 31 to 32 minutes, which naturally is going to have a little bit of a decrease in scoring, a little bit of a decrease in rebounding assists. Um, but I, as far as kind of like that dynamic, I, I do expect it to probably be 50, 50 when they're on the floor, maybe even Russ handling the ball a little bit more. But I, I do expect LeBron to ultimately be finishing more possessions and whether it's in the, the low post, high post, kind of using him more as a big. I think they're going to go smaller with LeBron at the four more. But it's going to be interesting to see how this works out because I think anyone who tells you they know is lying. So you mentioned you mentioned Le you expect LeBron's minutes to pick down even more to the 31-32 uh, 
mark per game. Dan and I were talking before this this pod. Do you think do you think the Lakers with with the amount of depth that they have, do you think that they run more of like a kind of two different rotations kind of thing where you know you have LeBron, you know, manning one of them and Russ manning the other because they're so similar with you know wanting the ball in their hands and then and that kind of limits the minutes uh, as well. And second part of that question would be do you expect this team to kind of rest their players similar to how the Brooklyn Nets big three kind of took some rest days down the stretch, or do you just expect these minutes to be down uh, each game? So to, to answer the first question, I think they will platoon because that, that's what Frank Vogel ha- had implemented with LeBron and AD in terms of staggering where you would kind of see they each had pockets of the game where they kind of led the bench unit. The Lakers issue though, for the past two seasons has been when LeBron James is off the floor they have a you know the double digit negative net rating and it's really been an issue for them where the the non lebron minutes you know i wrote about it multiple times last season has just been something they have not been able to figure out and i think part of the reason i'm a little bit more optimistic i, I think on this year's team than in previous teams is I, I think it's kind of simple where you have lebron and ad on the floor you have two top 10 if not two top 5 guys and even when we've kind of seen some of the, the role players, like going back to that title team, you know, not a lot of people were picking that team to win the title entering the season. It was all about the Clippers. There's a lot of hype on the Clippers. And I think people looked at that roster and they're like, this is flawed. It doesn't really make sense. They don't have enough shooting. They don't have anybody else who could handle the ball other than LeBron and I guess Rondo. And that ended up working because they were a really, really good defensive team. And offensively, you have LeBron and AD together they're going to figure it out. So to, to me, kind of looking at this year's team, I'm like, okay, you have the LeBron AD part on offense and now you added all these offensive weapons and now there's some defensive issues that come with that. But I think they're going to figure out the non-LeBron minutes and I think it is going to be somewhat of a platoon of LeBron with, with some shooting. That's kind of always been the recipe for success, especially with, with uh, bench units for him is, is surround him with shooting, surround him with kind of a smaller lineup and you're going to score a lot of points. And then I think you're going to see a Russ AD uh, type of lineup that is maybe a little bit more fast, a little bit more athletic, getting out uh, in transition, uh, trying to kind of wreak havoc defensively and, and, and uh, you know, speed up the pace. So I think you'll, you'll probably end up seeing some staggering that way. Uh, obviously, you know, first and third quarters, first half, I think you, you'll see the stars play together and then end of the game, of course, they'll play together. But um, as far as resting, I don't, think you're going to see resting from the stars. LeBron, you know, despite having the situation when he went to Cleveland and took two weeks off, uh, he's kind of come out against load management, almost part of the the Lakers Clippers, LeBron, Kawhi kind of dynamic. Le- LeBron has taken the anti-rest stance. And um, so he's gone against that. AD is probably going <laughs> to miss some games, so uh, he'll get his rest that way. And then Russ, of course, is is anti load management. You know, he he's kind of had his minutes up in that thirty five to thirty eight range every single season. So I, I would be surprised if any of those three implement a, a rest program. But I would not be surprised if they just reduce their minutes and and maybe occasionally, if it's a blowout, you're not going to see them go back in in the fourth uh, more so than other teams where they, they might try to kind of run the starters out just just to maintain the lead. So. Uh, that, that's how I would, would kind of view that going into next season. And and LeBron can't possibly rest anymore because he's picked up this whole new audience of fans after the Space Jam 2 movie came out over the summer. Like my <laughs> son just turned three years old 
And LeBron is his favorite player. My son doesn't really watch basketball yet, but LeBron's his favorite player. He holds a figurine of him as he like runs around the house. So the Lakers are coming to Orlando where I live in January. And like my son wants to go to the game and see LeBron in real life. Like he has no clue who LeBron is outside of him being in Space Jam. LeBron can't possibly sit out. He needs to play every game because he's got this whole new audience of fans. That, that, that's a good point. I, I was not a huge fan of the Russ move. I, I think that there are definitely some things you can pick apart with it, especially just the the weird fit with, with kind of having two ball dominant, you know, playmakers who can't, I mean, Russ can't shoot. LeBron can shoot, but he isn't great at it. Right. So uh, I think there's an awkward fit there, but I do think Russ's usage and just his style of play is going to save LeBron. And I think clearly LeBron and AD were on board with this move that they had the meeting with Russ before this all went down and, you know, they, they talked about kind of him sacrificing stuff, you know, AD playing more at the five. So for LeBron to be on board with this, Russ is of the caliber of player that LeBron will respect him and seed over some of the playmaking, some of the scoring, some of the shot creation. So I do look at it as maybe LeBron kind of going into another phase of his career. He's still LeBron. He's still, I think, again, going to put up 25, six and six, but 25, seven and seven. I, I don't know. It's, it's like, you don't want to be the one going against, like, I, I don't want to predict his, his demise, but I do think that Russ being out there will that, that in and of itself is kind of some rest because LeBron, while he's been in LA has had to be the entire offense, the, you know, the only real playmaker. And, and I think this is going to be a shift that we haven't really seen at least in LA. You said six assists, man. That's, that's uh, I think second lowest in his career. We're going to hold you to that. Yo, oh, no. <laughs> delete the tape. <laughs> but I mean, I think it tracks though, because uh, you know, as you alluded to earlier, um, this is going to be similar to his, his fit in Miami with, with Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosch, which was, he certainly saw a, a bit of a decrease in those assists there. Let's be honest here. The, the NBA did LeBron and the Lakers a huge favor by giving them the least amount of back-to-back. So I think from a scheduling standpoint, I think that uh, load management may not be as as prominent with the Lakers because of that favorable schedule, but kind of got that Tom Brady effect. But one to touch on AD a little bit. Now, LeBron and, and Russ both in the top 10 in usage last season. You mentioned that AD is going to be playing more of the five. I know he's he's been vocal about playing the four. Are you predicting a bounce back campaign from him being that he'll have more opportunities to because he's never been a high usage guy right but you know you have two creators on the floor potentially should it be a lot easier for ad in that five position want to get your thoughts on his on his uh outlook going into this season yeah yeah Uh, i'm predicting two things i'm predicting one a bounce back season for ad he was the most vocal laker last season in terms of complaining about the short off season. I mean, he, he, uh, I had an interview with him back in February where, where he, we, you know, he talked about that, you know, he, he's a guy who likes to take three or four weeks off after the season, just completely unwind. Don't touch a basketball, don't work out, just go on, you know, a vacation, spend time with family, friends, just completely, you know, check out for a few weeks. And then, you know, that three, four week mark immediately go back into training and ramp up for the next two to three months getting ready for training camp. Well, their off season was, you know, eight weeks, basically coming out of the bubble into, uh, you know, even I think it was seven weeks actually uh, going into training camp. So for AD, he, he still took that rest because that to him was very important. But then that ramp up time was he had like three to four weeks to ramp up instead of the normal two and a half, three months. So 
for him, I mean, he, he basically admitted, like, I didn't come in in the best shape. I, I was not really kind of ready for training camp to start. So I, I think he, I mean, clearly just looking at the way he started the season, he was not himself and really at no point last season uh, that there was a stretch at the end of the year going to the playoffs where uh, he dominated the Suns coincidentally. And it kind of, you know, he had a three game stretch where I think it was Phoenix, Denver, and, and I'm forgetting who else. And he averaged like 35 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks. And you were just like, okay, 80s back. He, he's ready for the playoffs. Then of course he gets injured in game four and, and that kind of changes everything. But I think 80 is going to bounce back. I, I think this is going to probably be as good, if not better than his first season in LA, which obviously was, was better than last season. And then the second thing is I'm predicting him to start at center. I think reading the tea leaves, kind of just looking at the situation, I just don't see how you can start Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan at center with Russell Westbrook at point guard in 2021. I mean, if, if the Lakers are going to do that, then maybe I need to change my, my West uh, pick. But I, I think AD is going to start at the five. I think LeBron's going to start at the four. And then I think you're going to see two perimeter players and Russ. And that to me is a winning lineup. You know, that is the optimal version of this Lakers team. And you will see better spacing. I think give Russ a chance to actually work alongside LeBron and AD. And, and that's the version of the Lakers I think you can get excited about. So uh, th- that's my prediction right now. Uh, just kind of from what I'm reading and, and and what I'm hearing and stuff, like I think 80 at the five is actually going to happen. Would you consider Anthony Davis to be injury prone? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I buy into injury prone as a thing, but if you do, I guess, yes. Uh, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's not as bad as people think, but, but he is one of those guys where you, you just got a pencil in 10 to 12 games. It, it's just really rare that he doesn't miss that amount of time. Last season was actually his worst season where he ended up you know, missing half the season. And you, you know, if you actually look at his game logs, it's, it's, it is that like eight to 14 games. He, he just always misses kind of that range. So I guess, yes. Um, I mean, I, he, he does probably lead the league in uh, trips to, the, the locker room that give the fan base a heart attack. Uh, there's like <laughs> once every like three or four games where something happens and then he has to go back to the locker room and uh, he usually comes back, but uh, sometimes he doesn't. And that's when you get those, those 10 games. That was going to be my next point. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy labs has that burning cash meme. Uh, so everybody that puts uh, Anthony Davis into their DFS lineups, they can get used to that uh, on Twitter, <laughs> servicing on Twitter. Every time Anthony Davis goes to the locker room. <laughs> so. Yeah, I also think uh, quickly. Uh, I think Russ is g- going to be really good for AD because we- we've seen Russ. You know, s- certain big men have their best seasons next to Russ offensively, and, and just his ability to go downhill, get into the paint, and and, and you know dump off, throw the lob. Uh, I think with AD, especially in the lineups that he's at the five, and especially against second units, if they're throwing those two, uh, you know, with three bench guys against second units, I think you're going to see several. Russ AD dump offs a night and AD might be getting the easiest baskets of his career or at least in LA. Yeah, it makes sense. So like we, on a, a bunch of the different scenarios, like obviously the big stars, but I'm really curious about a couple other players that came over to this squad, Malik Monk, uh, Kendrick Nunn. Are they, are you expecting any of these guys to be like in a six man capacity where they could be potentially fantasy relevant and um, what about the rest of the starting lineup? Like who, what other players are you seeing emerge um, into those, those other starting spots alongside the stars? So I I've written, I've been asked the starting lineup question a lot and it's, it's something that I've kind of gone back and forth with to me, the, the question, what, 
you know, the question was who's starting at center, who's starting at shooting guard, right? Because you, right. you just assume AD and LeBron are, are the two forwards. Russ is the point guard. I do think Marcus Gasol was, was the heavy favorite to start at center. It just made a lot of sense. He started last season. They had a great, uh, great net rating with him. All the lineup data was positive. And yeah. he also was someone who could space the floor, uh, facilitate from, from the top of the key and uh, just complimented, uh, I think, AD well and just that starting group well. With Mark out again, I, I think it just, you can't play Dwight Howard and, and Russ or DeAndre and Russ 20 minutes a night. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they did that, but I just think in 2021, and maybe it's a thing where they do in the regular season and then come playoff time, they switch to AD at the five. But to me, it's just like, why not just start AD at the five? It just doesn't really make sense, but we'll, we'll see. But I am leaning towards AD at the five. If AD is at the five, obviously you have two perimeter players. To me, it's a three-man race between... Uh, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, and Trevor Ariza. I think Trevor Ariza and and Kent Bazemore are the Lakers' two best, you know, three and D wings. With, with Bazemore, he had a career year, uh, shooting year last year with with Golden State. You don't know if that's sustainable. He was only taking two point seven attempts a game. You know, very low volume. So you know, we'll see if that translates to LA. Trevor Ariza, he's about a career 36 percent three point shooter. So. It's about league average, but you, you can kind of make that work, especially with some of the other shooters that they have on the roster. So I, I think it's, do you want more perimeter defense and size with those two or Wayne Ellington, who's you know, by far the best shooter on the team, uh, you know, one of the best 15 to 10 shooters in the league and, and someone that can come off screens. They, they can use him in that kind of, you know, JJ Redick uh, type role. And, and I think would be someone that they really need to kind of open up the lane when you have three stars who want to be in the paint. So I'm currently looking at, I think it's going to be Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore. I think that gives you the offense defense. Kent could always guard the, the best perimeter defenders. And then Wayne is there to kind of uh, space the floor and just give some gravity. So that would be my, my current prediction is 80 at the five, those two on the perimeter, LeBron at the four. And then as far as the other guys, I think Kendrick Nunn is the favorite for the six man role. I think that you know, he, he was the most expensive newcomer. He's the uh, fifth highest paid Laker now behind the big three and Taylor Horton Tucker. So I just look at if, if you invested that, you know, $6 million in a guy, I think he's going to be a part of the rotation. I just don't see how he won't be now. Maybe he's someone that factors in either in a starting role or a closing role. I do think that the fit with him and Russ is, is not great only because Kendrick's so small that you're, you're now, you know, and he's not a great defender. So you are kind of compromising your backcourt, we know Russ is a little overrated defensively. He can lock in if he's really you know focused, motivated, but we've yet to see that on a night-to-night basis since his early days in OKC. So I think that Kendrick Nunn, it, I mean, I wrote, like I think it was interesting that he picked the Lakers because I'm like, you're picking a, a team where the guy in front of you in the depth chart is a all-star who perennially plays 36 to 38 minutes and doesn't take nights off and doesn't really get injured you know, maybe occasionally here and there, but uh, I was just like, I don't see where Kendrick Nunn's like big role is. And he's, he averaged 29 minutes a game in both years in Miami. So it's not like he's used to this like small bench role. Um, but Malik Monk is the one that's like the wild card to me because on paper you, you already have, I think Wayne Ellington just has to play because of how good of a shooter he is. And being a veteran, you have Taylor Horton Tucker, who the Lakers just invested in $10 million a year. And then you also have Kendrick Nunn who just by virtue of, Russell Westbrook being at point guard is going to have to play some shooting guard. And I'm like, where are the Malik Monk minutes? I just don't, I don't see it. And he, I mean, he was a a vet minimum guy. He he was someone that the Lakers just kind of took a gamble on. But to me, 
I think Malik Monk is the one guy that maybe gets squeezed uh, unless they're just going like super small and like the centers aren't playing and they're going to be going like three guard lineups. And that maybe that's how Malik Monk gets on the floor. Cause uh, again, just kind of looking at the rotation, Kent Bazemore might be their best perimeter defender. Like he has to play. Wayne Ellington's their best shooter. He has to play. Russ is going to play. LeBron's going to play. Talon's going to play. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's going to play. Who, who isn't playing in this group? I think even now they brought back Rondo and I think Rondo is actually probably not going to play, but this is a guy who is like your, almost your sixth man kind of on that title team and played a huge role, uh, you know, closing games and, and being playoff Rondo. So I think they have this weird log jam in the backcourt and the two guys I'm looking at that probably are, are going to be affected by that most are Rondo and uh, Malik Monk. And then in the front court, I think it's Dwight is the backup. DeAndre is probably not playing much similar to Brooklyn and then it's Ariza, Mello, LeBron, AD at, at the forward spots. There's just too many guys here, and that's, I think that's why yeah. that's why I brought up the question <laughs> yeah. of like why not have two different sort of lineups and run it that way? Yeah, just because no. you have like you have so many shooters coming in off the bench, and then like you said, you mentioned Taylor Horton Tucker. The team seems to like him a lot, but they bring in all these veterans. Like, are, are there still 20 minute, 18 to 20 minutes a game for THT? Yeah, I, I guess if, if we're going with the, the second lap, I'm projecting. So AD, LeBron, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Russ. I think your top nine are uh, Kendrick, Talon, Mello, and I guess Trevor Ariza. Like you're, you're going kind of smaller and then Dwight's getting you know 12 minutes a night at center. I mean, the, the other guy that doesn't, I don't know how he really fits is, is Mello. Melo is a four, right? So Melo is not a small forward. He's, you know, transitioned to being a four the last four or five years in OKC, Houston, and, and now Portland, and then Lakers. Trevor Ariza is a four. He played 93% of his minutes at the four last season. He started at the four for Miami. So then you also have LeBron, whose best position is at the four, and AD, who wants to play the four instead of the five. So I'm like, wh- where's Carmelo Anthony getting this 20-minute-a-night role and maybe it comes at the expense of Trevor Ariza, but that to me is a mistake because Trevor Ariza is one of like five guys on the team that can actually defend at a high level. So if you're compromising your defense, you know, just because Mello is Mello and uh, he is a good shooter still. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't have value, but I think Trevor Ariza is just a straight up better player at this point and, and has a more important role on this team. So there are a lot of rotation questions where you go through it and you're like, okay, this guy should be getting told 15 minutes, but it's like, where's it coming from? So I do think Kendrick, Talon, Mello, and Ariza are, are probably the safest bets, but but it is probably a situation where it is going to be rotating. When we saw it last season to some extent, Frank Vogel is not afraid to rotate guys. I mean, there was a stretch where Wes Matthews was not playing for multiple games. And then by the end of the season, he was one of Frank's most trusted guys and was like going down with him in the closing lineup. So I think it's frustrating if you're a fan or if you're someone that's like observing the team because you don't you just don't know night to night what's going to happen. Uh, not at like a Kyle Shanahan level, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but 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 I also think that there's like there's merit to it. It's what's fair, right? It's it's actually like he's playing. I think this guy is performing the best. It's very matchup based. It's very performance based. So um, it's meritocracy, and and that to me is uh, probably the best way to to coach. Appreciate that, man. 
So, yeah, so that will conclude our episode. Jovan, thank you so much for joining us today to talk all things Lakers, man. And your insight is oh so valuable as we get to this fantasy season. You know, we're about to start up. We're just about a month away now, so it's crazy how quickly the NBA is coming back here. I just wanted to ask you real quick, when you do your fantasy basketball drafts, will you be selecting AD or LeBron in the first two rounds? I'll probably try to stay away from them only because it's a little bit of like, it's just going to be weird if I have them on my team. Like that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, true, that, that was kind of the thing <laughs> when I was covering the Clippers too. And, and it was like, I just want to stay away from Kawhi and PG because I, I, I don't want it. To, <laughs> I don't want to secretly be <laughs> sitting there upset when they miss a shot or, or you know, yeah, turn the yeah. ball over. So that's fair. I'll probably stay away. I would say one thing on this team I'm probably, if I'm drafting, I'm probably only looking at the big three. And then after that, until we see preseason, and it just depends when you're drafting, but I I mean, maybe Kendrick Nunn, maybe Taylor Horton Tucker. And like, I I just, I think there's too many unknowns night to night with this group that I would probably just look at the three stars. And after that, not have much confidence in anybody else in the rotation. Appreciate that. All right. So Jovan, where can the people find you? What are you working on? And yeah, we'll make sure we get out of here enough time for you to set your lineups for today. <laughs> uh, people can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I'm now on, I've been on TikTok the hey. last few months. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, at Jovan at Buha, at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. You'd also read my work on The Athletic. We currently have a 50% off uh, for new subscribers deal going on. So if you subscribe, preferably off one of my articles that will help me out, but you also get a 50% uh, discount and just getting ready for the season. I have some story, uh, some features coming out later in the month that I'm excited about, but yeah, just, just getting ready and uh, hoping to survive t- today. <laughs> <in> fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all make sure to check out the buckets betting show on Wednesdays with Matt Moore, Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. Check out all of their bets on the action app, download it, subscribe, same with the Buckets feed, man. We need your reviews and your support here. We're going to have a lot of cool things coming up, drafting, ranks, um, and some cool giveaways. So make sure to check back in with us next Monday. And for all the listeners out there, make sure you can hit up Adam Koffler at Adam Koffler. Slide into his DMs. He loves talking to everyone on the regular. And make sure to ask him multiple questions, too. He really loves that. Love and it. then you can find me. <laughs> you can find me at Dan Titus on Twitter. As well, until next week, we'll holla at you. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.